It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What is happening, everybody? It's time for another Stochastic and DFS by the Numbers crossover. As you guys are watching this video, do Brady and myself a big favor. Like the video. Subscribe to both of our YouTube channels, Stochastic and DFS by the Numbers, because both Brady and I put out a lot of DFS content. Brady covering everything from a prize picks angle, DFS angle, betting angle. And then for myself, I'm going to be doing a full slate breakdown on Friday with some of my favorite bets on the slate, as well as using the Stochastic Sims tools to break down the entire slate and how our data sees it from a simulation standpoint. Uh, Brady, how did how did last week go for you? I remember you being on some props that hit pretty good. Yeah, betting was was fine. Um, from a DraftKings perspective, um, cash was great. I, w- I was able to avoid the uh, the Kizriyev Muradov fight, which was just a complete <laughs> disaster, and that was high owned. Had Charles Racky in cash, which was nice, and then Molly McCann. So cash was perfect. Uh, tournaments was almost there. I was like triple the field pretty much on Charles Racky, but didn't have any Carolina, which she went out there and scored a hundred points. And then also was a little bit too high on, uh, I was on Delidze, Delidze, which, which by the way, I was kind of shocked how that played out. Like I picked Imovov to win and picked him to win by decision. Like that's what happened, but holy crap. I wasn't expecting Imovov to go out there and just completely destroy Delidze for the full 25 minutes. So that was shocking. But yeah, looking to, uh, it's another Apex card. It's another Apex card. Uh, this is a, a tough card, in my opinion. We have 14 fights, a lot of newcomers. So it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, this is a, last week was an Apex card. This is a, a very Apex card. This is aggressively <laughs> Apex in terms of the fights we have. We're getting last minute cancellations. So we've already got a fight that changed over today that I wasn't sure if it was going to be included on the UFC site or not, but it is. We've got, Aoki now is a new opponent here in Kuomba. I don't know if you've looked into this fight all that much with the new opponent here, but he was supposed to fight Hadzovic, and that fight has gotten canceled, but they were able to get him a new opponent fairly quickly. But where we're going to start here is by breaking down the main event, which actually the main event is one that I am looking forward to because I have a lot of questions about Joe Pfeiffer. I think he's a super talented, high upside prospect, but... We don't really know what his defensive wrestling is going to look like over an extended stretch of time. We don't know what he's going to look like in the third and fourth rounds and things along those lines. So with that in mind, for the main event, Brady, which way are you preferring to play it from a DFS standpoint? So this is the main event where it's last week it was like wasn't too high on the main event, even though Imovov did go out there and scored you know fairly well. This week, I want to be very heavily exposed to this fight. It's a fight that is heavily favored to end inside the distance. On, I think most books, it's around like minus 350 uh, to minus 400 fight doesn't go to decision. And the reason being is it's because it's a Joe Pfeiffer fight. Joe Pfeiffer has not seen a third round in about six years. He's only been to the third round once. And you mentioned it, man. I mean, there's there's so many question marks. You know, Pfeiffer's going out there and he's handling these guys. He's going out there. He's getting, you know, early knockouts, early submissions. But, you know, what happens if this fight reaches the the, the late second round, the third round? And even the fourth and the fifth, like, what does Pfeiffer look like? And we've seen some fights where Pfeiffer just slows down. He's been finished in both of his losses. So, you know, although I think the most likely scenario here is Joe Pfeiffer does come forward and land a big shot and knock out Jack Hermanson within the first two rounds, 
Um, Jack Romanson cannot be ignored down at 7,200 because this is somebody that has five-round experience. This is somebody that's fought the much better competition by a mile. And this is someone who's just always very, been very underrated. I think Jack Romanson's striking is underrated, and his ground game has always been elite. He's an elite grappler, has elite ground and pound. And if he's able to get on top of Pfeiffer in the third, fourth, and fifth round, um, there are absolutely going to be finishing opportunities down the stretch. It's just, you know, is his chin going to be able to hold up for those first seven and a half, ten minutes is the question. So I'm um, going to be very heavily exposed to this fight. My my preferred play is going to be Pfeiffer. I'm going to have more Pfeiffer. I think Pfeiffer knocks him out. But Jack Hermanson, 7,200, is um, a salary savings play that I really do like this week as well. So I don't I don't know what my ownership is going to be like yet, but I'm probably going to be pretty much uh, near 100% owned on this main event. I'm going to be much higher on the Pfeiffer side. And the main reason for me is just from a game theory aspect, the way this slate breaks down, there are not very many payup options I like outside of Joe Pfeiffer. And then on the other side, if I don't like very many payup options other than Joe Pfeiffer, it's all right, if I'm saving salary with Jack Hermanson, what am I getting to on the high end? And the answer is not a lot of fighters I feel super confident with or the ones that I do think like, Luca Lumbuni, who I do think is going to win. It's like, what is her realistic scoring upside in that kind of fight? So I do think that that kind of just lineup construction, the fact that I don't love very many payup options outside of Joe Pfeiffer is just going to lead me to playing more of him because the opportunity cost of not playing him probably means I'm getting to other payup options that I don't really love for the slate. And the other thing too, is that I do think the most likely outcome here is that Jack Hermanson's probably getting knocked out in the first couple of minutes. If the fight gets extended, it certainly gets very interesting because we haven't seen Joe Pfeiffer fight past the second round in the UFC. If we go ahead and pull up his fight here, as I accidentally clicked on Jack Hermanson, uh, Joe Pfeiffer's fight fought against Stoltzfus on the contender series, broke his arm on a takedown. So didn't really get a lot of information out of that. Second round finish against Ozzy Diaz. First round finish against Alan Amadovsky. First round finish against Gerald Mearshart. Second round submission over Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. So we've never seen him fight out of the third round. In the past, we've seen him start to slow down. My gut feeling is that he has worked on his cardio and it's improved since then. But I have no way of knowing that for sure until I see it in action. All that aside, though, I'm not going to write off Jack Hermanson, but by far my preferred option to play in the main event is going to be Joe Pfeiffer from a DFS perspective. Uh, outside of Pfeiffer, are there any payup options you're really liking for this slate, Brady? No, I mean, not really. I mean, last week we had, um, you know, Themba Garimbo up top. We had Molly McCann up top, you know, some other fighters that liked up top. This week it's like, you mentioned it's Pfeiffer, and then it's like, like I like Gregory Rodriguez, but does he have a ton of upside? I'm not so sure. I like Carlos Praches, but extremely scary to play a, a debuting guy who has been finished like five times. Um, I guess if if I had to pick one, it would be Balaji Oki, nine thousand five hundred. He was supposed to take on Demir Hadzovic, which that was a complete mismatch. Demir Hadzovic was coming back. I was shocked to even see he was on the card because he's thirty seven years old, um, no takedown defense whatsoever. Just not the the best fighter. But Hadzovic actually pulled out and then in steps uh, Timothy Kwamba, who was on the uh, contender series here. And yeah, Timothy Kwamba is coming up a weight class. And what I think they're doing here is I think they're very high on Oki. And the reason I think that is because they're not giving him like a Terrence McKenney on short notice. They're giving him Timothy Kwamba, who they who won on the contender series, but they didn't sign him because it was kind of a lackluster fight. So, yeah, I think Balaji Oki, he's a guy that's just going to go out there and he's going to go balls to the wall until he finishes you. So I expect a ton of volume. 
uh, could see some wrestling, and he's, of course, going to look for that finish as well. So although very expensive, the most expensive on the slate, you mentioned it, there's not a ton of great options up here. So I'll go with Oki. Yeah, and then another part, too, about Columbo when he was on Contender Series, it was a lackluster almost undersells what it is because he got outstruck 67 to 43. So there was very little action in the fight. He didn't really strike me as somebody who has a lot of ceiling for DFS purposes, Kuamba. So I agree with you. Definitely favor Oki to win that fight. If nothing else, just based on the volume that we've seen that he could put out compared to what we've seen out of Kuamba. But then the other part of it for me is I just don't like payup options. So Aoki is kind of by default. He's my favorite payup guy, but it's because what is the realistic upside in Marcos, who we've seen be in fights that don't score very favorably for DraftKings. Uh, Luca Lumbumi, what is, what is her potential upside for scoring for DFS standpoint. I also don't think that uh, Bumi is going to score particularly well. If we look at her numbers, uh, she lands 4.14 significant strikes per minute. She lands 2.04 takedowns per 15 minutes, but also not somebody I really see with a lot of finishing equity. There's a lot of fights I really like in the mid-range this week, Brady, that I think have a lot of finishing potential. So I don't really love the high end, and I really like building my lineups around fights like the Michael Johnson, Darius Flowers fight, because Flowers is going to be balls to the wall for the first like three minutes of the fight. And then uh, he's either going to finish Michael Johnson or the wheels are going to fall off. We saw that from Flowers in his UFC debut. We also have a great striker versus grappler matchup in Rodolfo Vieira against Armin Petrosian. These are fights in the mid-range. I think are going to score very well. And I don't have as much confidence in the win equity as I have in these fights in the high end. But these are fights where I'm confident the winners are going to score very well, where I don't have that same confidence in like Marcos or, or Luke Lumbo or Luma, Luke Boomy, just because if they win, I don't think it scores particularly well. So I love the mid-range. Is there a particular fighter in the mid-range that you prioritize the highest? Yeah, I mean, I was going to say the same thing. I'm going to be living in the mid-range this week. You mentioned, like, the two fights that I really want to target is that Michael Johnson-Darius Flowers fight. I think the winner's going to score very well because it is a Darius Flowers fight. Um, And then also, yeah, the Petrosian-Viera fight is, I think, is a must-target as well at these prices. For me, um, I think the one guy that I'm probably the most high on is is going to be Rodolfo Viera. He's 8,200, and that's just because he's going to have all the grappling upside here. He's going to have all the early finishing upside here. I think this fight could definitely finish, but I kind of lean if Petrosian's getting the finish. It's when uh, Vieira starts to slow down, gas out, maybe get finished late second, third. But yeah, Vieira's going to be able to get takedowns here. You know, Petrosian's takedown defense is some of the worst I've ever seen. I think it's like 34% on paper. And you just don't want Vieira on top. You don't want Vieira taking your back. And Petrosian tends to give up his back a lot. So I'm going to have quite a bit of Vieira here. And then on the flip side, yeah, Petrosian, you can make a case for him too. As long as he's able to survive those first seven and a half minutes, there's a good chance he uh, takes over and finishes down the stretch. So yeah, those two fights I'm loving in the mid range. And even like the, the Zach Palga, Bogdan Guskov fight. I mean, that fight should score well also. So yeah, this mid range is I'm going to be all over it this week. Yeah, the so I'm also going to add that my priority in the mid-range is going to be Rodolfo Vieira, primarily because his fights are pretty easy. If he gets takedowns, he's probably going to get a submission because he's arguably the best submission grappler currently on the UFC roster. 
And then also, you look at the takedown defense numbers on Armin Petrosian, and I do think this is a matchup where the physicality of Vieira should lend to him getting takedowns. Petrosian only defends takedowns at a 36% clip, so as long as that number does hold up there, it's only going to take one takedown from Vieira to ultimately end up winning this fight, especially because Petrosian is not really all that well-credentialed as a submission grappler himself. So I view this as if we do get early takedowns from Vieira, he probably ends up with a first-round finish. And based on the data, I think it's more likely than not that he ends up landing those takedowns in the early going. And then also, as far as the Darius Flowers versus Michael Johnson fight, my preferred lean is going to be Darius Flowers, not because I think he's the better fighter, but because I have massive durability questions about Michael Johnson. We've seen him knocked out multiple times. He's coming off a brutal knockout against Diego Ferreira and... He's also just not trustworthy. Even in fights where Michael Johnson's cleanly winning in the early going, he finds a way to fuck it up and lose fights all the time. So I like Darius Flowers quite a bit in the mid-range. And that's also a reason why I just don't think this is a slate where we really need to pay up to the most expensive fighters. There's so many fights that have finishing equity in this mid-range. But is there anybody on the low end that you do like to save Siler with outside of a Jack Hermanson? And it doesn't have to be all the way down, but maybe anybody else in the 7K range. Yeah, I mean, outside of Jack Hermanson, because I think Jack Hermanson is somebody I will have some of. Um, I think like a dart throw this week could be Trevin Giles at 7,000. I'm probably the biggest Trevin Giles hater out there. Um, <laughs> I think this guy is skilled, but he just he's kind of like Michael Johnson. He always seems to, wait to find a way to lose, just extremely untrustworthy. But on the flip side, he's going against Carlos Prochess, who just the level of competition discrepancies just, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, Trevin Giles has fought the much better competition both inside and outside the UFC. And although Prochess, I, I do like what I see from the guy. This guy has a massive reach. Um, I love the striking, the tools on the feet. This guy at the end of the day, again, hasn't fought the best competition and he's been finished five times. So uh, Giles at 7K, I don't think many people are going to play him, but he's the one guy down low that I think has some upside. This fight is I think heavily favored to end inside the distance. I think I saw like minus 325 for the fight to finish. So yeah, I think somebody's probably getting served here. And we've seen a lot of these contender series guys come in here to the UFC and and um, and not perform too well on that first fight. So I don't think Trevin Giles going out there and getting a win would be the most shocking thing. And it's not like we're paying you know 9,000 for Trevin Giles. We're, we're getting him at 7K this week. So that'd be the one, if anything, down low. I don't like a ton down low this week. Yeah, it's it's tough on the cheap end. I'm going to go to a little bit higher on the end of the 7K range with Bogdan Guskov. And he had a brutal UFC debut. In his first fight in the UFC, they booked him against Volkan Uzdemir. And yeah, he got KO'd. He didn't look particularly good in that fight. But here's where I think he could find success against Zach Pauga. And it's that we just haven't seen a ton of output on the feet from Pauga. And I'm not sure how he would react to an early onslaught that could potentially come from Guskov in this fight. Because one thing we have seen from him outside of the UFC, and while he's fighting absolute nobodies that aren't fighters that have you know massive credentials or have a lot of experience or have even fought high-level competition themselves, Guskov hits hard, he's a capable finisher, and he's very aggressive in the early going. And I do wonder if just that amount of pace and pressure being put on Pauga could be enough to get him out of there. We did see Pauga get knocked out by a Muhammad Usman, and I know that Pauga was fighting up a weight class. He had no business belonging as a heavyweight when he fought on tough. But at the same time, too, Muhammad Usman is not somebody who I consider to be like a massively dangerous striker or somebody who's a very well-refined striker. So I could see Guskov putting away Pauga in the same way that Usman did in that fight, and that is price point. That could be enough for it to end up being a win 
and somebody lands in the optimal lineup for Goose Cup, because I do think a win for him would ultimately score well. Uh, anything else you want to add about the slate, Brady? No, we talked about it. I think the mid range is is very good. I, I like I like Guskov as well. I'm picking him outright. I think he has a good chance to knock out Palga there. Um, so yeah, mid range for me. Um, it's it's a tough slate. Fourteen fights this card. Um, a lot of newcomers. A lot of short nose replacements. Uh, we still have to to see the way. Like we might even miss some fights. Might be canceled as well. So I mean, this this slate's already a, a big mess. But it's going to be fun as always, and um, it should be should should be a good one. The only way to make this fight card more of an apex card is to have like four weight misses, yep. uh, two fights canceled, one fight that gets pulled out after the slate locks because somebody <laughs> gets sick in the locker room. It's the only way to make this more aggressively in an apex slate. But guys, that's going to do it for us. Thank you very much for watching. Check out all the rest of Brady's content over at DFS by the numbers. He puts out a prolific amount of content every week. And on Friday, I'm doing my full slate breakdown over at Stochastic using our Sims tool to simulate out the slate and see which fighters I'm targeting the heaviest. So thank you guys very much for watching. Have a great week. We'll see you back here next week for a much better Volkanovsky pay-per-view card. So see you guys then. Peace out. See you.